You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Second Kings chapter 22 tonight. Second Kings 22. Did we take an offering? We did, right? No? We didn't take an offering? Cadmio, you got to come play again. What happened? We had the, all right. We'll leave it at the back door, okay? So, men, at the end of the service, just stand there and stare at people hard with the plate in your hand as they leave, and that'll be great. I have several quick announcements, just real brief announcements. Uh, today is the last service here for James Byron, who's going to uh, Bible College on Tuesday, Norma Wallavau's heading out on Tuesday. Ryan's heading back to Grand Canyon University in the next uh, two days or so, right? So these are all our college students leaving and, and uh, taking off. So say your goodbyes, weep on their shoulders, or maybe slip them a little cash or something, let them know you're praying for them. But uh, we'll be praying for you folks. And then if you could help, since we're going to be out early today, I understand if you've got to take off, that's fine. But if you could stick around and help us just clean up that fellowship hall, a lot of work was put in. I don't want the ladies who did all the cooking to have to do all the cleaning, too. And uh, so if we could just get in there real quick and, uh, and just knock that thing out, get it, uh, all the trash taken out, the table set back up. Brother Sip, you'll be in there and uh, showing you what to do and all that. Uh, just uh, if we get a handful of people, that would really make it go quickly. Really would appreciate that. Also, if you do go back in there and help out, of course, if you don't help out, you can still have this. There are, you can get a to-go plate. There is food left over. And so if you want to go in and make a plate, now don't make like 18 plates for you, all right? People do this. But, uh, you know, go get a to-go plate, and, and, but then also clean up first, okay? I appreciate that. Sunday school teachers, um, if you stop by Miss Tina Walker's office after the service, she has curriculum ready for you. And then today is a special day. Today is my daughter Kelly's third birthday, but there is somebody else in our church that has her beat by 62 years. Brother Sippy Virial today is having a birthday, and he's 65 years old. Was I supposed to say that? Oh, he's a guy. It doesn't matter. 65. Where's Brother Sippy? Is he here? Where are you, brother? There he is. All right, all right. We need to sing happy birthday to Brother Sippy, okay? 65. Such a faithful, faithful man. We, I don't know, everyone here loves Brother Sippy. There's no one that does not love Brother Sippy and Miss Dolores. And we're so thankful for you. Let's sing together to Brother Sippy. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Brother Sippy. Happy birthday to you. There you go, Brother Sippy. Feliz cumpleaños. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that one. All right. But that was bad enough just hearing that. <laughs> but, uh, but happy birthday, Brother Sippy. We do love you. I think I have got all the announcements here. And, uh, uh, but also plug for men's bees fees. Let's get signed up, man. Let's get signed up. It's going to be incredible. You will not regret it, I promise you. 2 Kings chapter 22. I want to talk to you about revival for just a little bit. It will not be lengthy tonight. But I just want to talk about revival. I want to tell you why. Um, we're going into September, which is our missions month. We're going into, we got the, the Ministry Expo. We've got Beast Feast. We have actually, not five, we have seven missionaries coming in. Five are new. 
Um, five are new ones that we want to begin supporting. We're going to vote on that next week, by the way, probably. Um, but we want to, and, and we've got some that we had to drop through the year and all that, so we're kind of replenishing, but also getting some new ones. But uh, so we've got a lot going on. And then, you know, going into October, we've got Friend Day. We've got an outreach on, what do we, what do we call that? The, the Country Fair Outreach. There's a lot going on. But I really am praying, you know, you can be busy and not be blessed. And I don't want us to be so busy that we're not blessed, but I'm just praying that God would just begin to stir some revival fires in our church and in our heart going into the fall. And I got to tell you, I'm not just saying this. I really feel like God wants to do something great over the next two or three months here. I really think God is doing something. I mean, there's some excitement. I faced some battles uh, just recently. The devil's been fighting in some... Uh, unique ways, and I just really feel like when that happens that God's wanting to do something and the Spirit's moving. And so I just want to give you a quick thought or two regarding revival and, uh, and just to prepare our hearts for the coming months and just being sensitive and receptive to God so that he can work in us. That was kind of the message this morning and it's kind of the message tonight. Look if you would at 2 Kings chapter 22, and uh, Josiah is who this is about. Verse 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adiah of Bosketh. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand nor to the left. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. So at the time of Josiah, remember they had gone through a lot in the, in, the, in the years of history of Israel here. They had had kings that were good kings, like Hezekiah and some others. They had had kings that were terrible kings, Ahab, Manasseh, things like that. And as we're looking at Josiah here, he's at a place where they don't even have a copy of the word of God. Normally every king would get passed down or create their own copy of the word of God. But he was at a place where he didn't have that. And so what happens is one of his scribes goes into the temple and finds a copy of the Bible. Imagine where we would be as a church without a, a Bible, without a copy of the Bible. And uh, you know, we can see in government what happens when we don't lead with biblical principles. And so he didn't have that. And, and so this guy goes in, uh, uh, Hilkiah and Shaphan, and, and he said, I found the book of the law. I've got the book of the law of Moses. I just found that. And so what happens now? Look at verse 9. Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And not just any book, it's the book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akbor the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Asahiah a servant of the king saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that is written concerning us. So Josiah hears what the, what the law has to say, and he's immediately convicted. He says, the wrath of God is going to be upon us. 
because our fathers have not obeyed this law. I mean, they did, such ba- they did so poorly with the Bible that we didn't even get a copy of it passed down to us. They did not obey it, nothing. And because of that, he said, hey, the wrath of God is going to be on us. Now look, if you would, at verse number 19. So there is prayer made to God, and in verse 19, uh, Josiah gets word back from God, says, Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. So God is, you know, God is a merciful, loving God. And even after, you know, all of this law has been broken and and there's been no light in Israel, it seems like, for so long, Josiah stands up and says, you know what, we're going to do better with this. Now, here's the thing about revival. You cannot legislate revival. We We could make rules in our country and we could say, you have to go to a Baptist church. Everybody in America has to go to a Baptist church. But can I tell you, that's not going to bring revival. You, you can't legislate it. These countries that have a, 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 a religion for their entire country, it doesn't work. I'm thankful America has religious freedom. Right? I really am. Now, would I love for America to be built upon biblical foundation? Well, it was, but I wish they could get back to that. We, we could get back to that. But you cannot legislate revival, but Josiah did his best. And, you know, some people, I do believe some people really experienced a revival. And Jer- uh, but, but Josiah himself absolutely did. What is revival? What is revival? Let's pray and let's answer that question. Father, bless us, I pray tonight. Speak with us for these next few moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Revival could be defined as spiritual deadness turning into renewed spiritual life. It's easy sometimes for all of us to lose some fire in our spiritual life. And what does revival do? Revival gets the flame kindled again. Revival is the thing that comes back and and brings us back to life. Oftentimes, we we rely upon external things for that. If the music's good, we have revival. You know, if if a guest preacher comes in and preaches, you know, we have personal revival. You can have revival every day. You can live close to God and in communion with him and have that every day. But when the spiritual deadness comes, that's what revival is. It brings back life. It is a move from neglect or non-concern to awareness and reverence. Let me say that again. Revival is a move from neglect or non-concern. It's a move to awareness and reverence. See, awareness is such a key thing. We need to be aware of stuff. We need to be aware that there is a hell. We need to be aware there is a heaven. We need to be aware that every single person we see or talk to is either saved or lost. We need to be aware that God is constantly trying to use us and speak with us. Spiritual awareness is so important, and revival brings that back to us. Revival is an awakening. An awakening. It means to make alive again. So that's what revival is. Here's Josiah. He's ashamed of the sin of his people, and it came as a result of what? of reading the Word of God. There is no revival without the Word of God. You cannot legislate revival, but there is no revival without God's Word and without prayer. So if we're going to have this revival, I want to just show you a couple things here. And, and, and Josiah rends his clothing, which is a signifying rending his heart, you know, that he's feeling very 
torn up about what, he, about what he's done here or what has happened in his country. But I just think it's amazing that Josiah knew that his country was due to feel the wrath of God. And he knew that he would escape it. In verse 20 it says that, that God told him, I'm going to gather you to your fathers. And then I'm going to really uh, come down upon this place. But even though he knew that would happen, even though he knew that he would live his days in peace, and God's wrath would come upon them afterwards, he said, no, I still want revival. I still want to get this place in the right shape. I don't know how many of you, we got young people in here, and many of you were not even born in 2001, but I probably the mo most of us, if we're of any uh, decent age, we probably all remember where we were on 9-11. Probably remember what we were doing. I remember I was in my living room. I, my last year of high school, I was homeschooled, and, and uh, so I, I, we moved around a bunch of stuff. So I, I, I remember I was sitting on my living room couch, and I watched as the smoke was coming up from the first tower. And I really, you know, I was so numb to things. I really didn't understand what was happening. And I remember watching, watching on live television as the second plane. They saw it. They were, what is going on? And boom, it hits the tower. You know, if you remember at that time, what happened in the next week, two weeks? Churches were flooded. I mean, American flags were raised everywhere. People weren't talking about the things that divide our country. They were talking about the things that unite our country. There, were, there, was, uh, there was patriotism. But more importantly, there were people that were shaken up so much that people that never set foot in church were going to church for answers. Now, I wish they all came to a good church, a good Bible preaching church. But do you remember that, how that all happened? And then do you remember about two or three weeks later? how everything went back to normal? You remember two or three weeks later how things went back to normal and, and you know, we just pressed on with work and everything and then more people actually left church after that. And it's an amazing thing to me how we go through these waves and everything, but God, you know, God can turn a nation and he can cause there to be a spiritual awareness, but many people just turn right back. And what we want to do is, if we sense a spiritual deadness, if we sense that there's some neglect or some non-concern, or there, there's just some sleepiness spiritually, we need to bring ourselves back to a state of revival. And you don't have to wait for the perfect message, for the perfect song, whatever. So you can do this. But as we're preparing for revival, and, and I want you to see some things that Josiah removed See, we always think of revival adds, but revival removes. Revival purifies. It's a fire that pur purifies. Uh, you know, so let's look at a couple things here just quickly that, re that Josiah removed. Look at chapter 23, chapter 23, verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven, and he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. In verse 6, he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord, excuse me, without Jerusalem, unto the brook Kidron, and burned it at the brook Kidron, and stamped it small to powder, powder, and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. Verse 14, he break in pieces the images, and he cut down the groves, and he filled their places with the bones of men. What did he do? What is he removing here? See, if we're going to have some revival and continue this, we, there, there's some possessions that need to be removed. That's what he did. He removed possessions. They were idols. 
They were things that were causing people to trip, stumbling blocks. And I think if we're going to go into this next month or two here, and we're going to really try to be as sensitive to God as we can be, and we're really going to try to be as open to God's will as we can be, and we really want to see personal revival, it may mean getting rid of some possessions. Some things that are in our houses, some music that's in our car. I don't know what it may be for you, but we may have to get rid of some things. In the book of Luke, this is such a great verse. I won't have you turn there, but Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this. And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You know, we're, we're so driven in our culture to possess, to have, to get more. Oh, you got the 46-inch TV? I'm going to get the 54. Oh, you got the 54? I got to get that 65. Oh, you got that 65? I'm going to get that 78. Oh, you got that 78? I'm going to get that 88. Oh, you got that? I'm going to make a panel wall of TV. You know, and we're just continually more and more. And look, I'm not saying that having things is wrong, but when things have you, that's wrong. So it's not about do you have things, do things have you? You, you can have things, that's okay, but you are not to let things have you. Nothing should own you. You own possessions. They don't own you. We have a cat in our house. Technically, we own that cat. But sometimes I feel like the cat owns us a little bit. We get nothing from that cat. Dogs at least like show love. But that cat, the cat loves Zoe, that's it. But that cat gives zero to us. You know, like you can be scratching him and stuff and, you know, and he'll just be like moving a shoulder. You missed a spot. You take your hand off. What are you doing? Get back on there. You know, I just, you know, feed me, all this kind of stuff. And it's an amazing thing. Look, so, but sometimes I feel like the cat owns us. When we're looking at our possessions, we should never have something that we can't get rid of. If it's got that big of a pull on us. My wife and I, we, we, a long time ago, had like Dish Network or something, like probably seven, eight years ago, and we got rid of that. And then just recently, you know, it came out with all these streaming services and everything. So we got a couple of them, you know, our kids like some cartoons, and there's, you know, anything Bear Grylls, I'm going to be watching. But, uh, you know, so they have like this kind of stuff, and, and before long, we're like, we don't even use some of this. But there was the fear of like, well, what if I do want to see it? And so we said, you know what, we're cutting, we're cutting these. And so we cut several of them. We have like one or two. And, uh, and we cut, and you know what, the, the thing is, I haven't missed them one time. I haven't gone back and been like, I wish I had that streaming service still. I wish I had Disney Plus, or whatever, you know. I, I haven't missed them. It's an amazing thing, though, how we can get panicky about possessions. I wonder if I get rid of this. But look, if it's something that is tripping you up or stopping you from revival, if you can't get off the TV and get into your Bible, you can't turn off the, the news because, and get into your Bible because you're so hooked to it, maybe some possessions need to be removed. If there are things in your life, idols, I would hope that no one has idols. I hope that no one has, you know, statues they pray to and stuff like that. But you know just as well as I do that a TV can become an idol. I'm not telling you to get rid of your TV unless your TV owns you. Then you may want to get rid of it. What I'm saying is possessions sometimes, we have to get rid of them. So many people, it's, it's the CDs they own. Well, nowadays everything's online. It's the music, and the music possesses them. And they couldn't get rid of it if they tried, you know. And, and it, 
And it can go on and on and on. DVDs, movies, all these type of things. And there may be other possessions that you have the Holy Spirit speaking to you about. That, that you, know, you own this, but really it's owning you. It's owning you. And the first thing Josiah did was he took some of the possessions the people had, the idols, and he said, we're removing them. We're, getting, we're not going to put them in a closet. We're burning them with fire. We're burning them with fire. When I got rid of my music as a teenager, I chopped it all up with an axe. All of the rock music CDs I had, two stacks this high, I took an axe, I chopped them up. I didn't want to give somebody else my, my sin. Uh, you know, it, it, we have to be willing to get rid of things completely. I want to say number two here, not only did he get rid of possessions, he also got rid of some people. Look, if you would, at verse, chapter 23, verse 5. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem, and also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, and to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. Look at verse 7. And he brake down the houses of the, of the sodomites, the homosexuals. They were by the, the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and, def, the, uh, and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from uh, Geba to Beersheba and break down the high places of the gates that were in the entering of the, uh, the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on a man's left hand at the end of the city. What is he doing? He's removing these priests. He's removing these people. That doesn't, no, look, I'm not saying that if there's people in your life causing you to fall, you kill them. Not saying that. Wink, wink. No, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not saying it. You know, that's not what you know. I'm saying you need to do. But in verse five, he put down some people. He said, "You will no longer influence or lead in this nation." He pulled them down. He said, "No, you're not leading anymore. You have no more influence." In verse seven, there were some perverted people who were opposed to God, and he and his law, and he they were removed completely. People with wicked morals. You know, people with wicked morals should be removed from our life as much as possible. If they can't be, and I'm not saying you can't be a friend to an unsafe person, but there's a difference between being a friend and being friends and letting influence come upon you as opposed to you being a godly influence upon them. There's a, there's a balance there. And uh, in verse number eight, uh, some people he just separated himself from completely. So some people he, he, he puts down, some people he removes completely, some people he separates himself from. And there may be people in your life that you know that have a negative influence upon you. Maybe negative, it may be a sinful influence. Family sometimes can be the hardest people to be around. Because why? Because sometimes there's a negative influence. Sometimes they want you to be as miserable as they are without Christ, so they're going to give you a hard time about it. Sometimes it's the, it's the brother, it's the sister, it's the sibling, or whatever it may be. It's the friend down the street for teenagers. It's always friends, always friends. You know, it's co-workers. And there may be people, hey, come out and drink with us. Come out and do this with us. Come out and do that. And there's times where you have to say, no, I can't do that. And if there's idolatrous, wicked people in your life, Josiah was saying, you, you will have no influence here. You will have no leadership here. And there are certainly people in our lives that should not have leadership in our lives. No celebrity should have leadership in your life. No celebrity. And, you know, I don't even think politicians should have a leadership in your life. We should be influenced by the word of God. We should be influenced by godly people, by people that we should be influenced ultimately by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if there's people in our lives that be, need to be removed, let's remove them. I remember as a teenager, even in college, you know, there's always going to be wrong friends, always going to be people that you've got to separate from. And I would encourage you to think on that. 
If there are certain people that are messing up your life or, or, or leading you down a, a certain way or constantly tempting you, ch- constantly trying to get you to give in or, or do something wrong, that influence needs to be removed if you want revival. So if we want revival, I'm almost done. Possessions. Josiah said, there's some things that I own, that, that we own, that will not own us anymore. We're getting them out. There are some people that have influence upon us. We're not letting them influence anymore. They're done. They're gone. But not only were there possessions that he removed and people that he removed, but there were some places he removed too. Some places. Verse 8. It says that he brought all the priests out of the city of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense. Verse 10. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom. And, and that's where they used to pass their children through the fire, sacrifice their children to their false gods. Verse 12, and the altars that were on the top of the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them into the brook Kidron. In the high places, verse 13, that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the mount. Just again and again and again, he's breaking these places down. Verse 19, the houses also the high places were in the cities of Samaria. he, he, He took them away. So there were some places in the kingdom that Josiah said, I can't be around. There are some places where there's evil. There are some places where it's just not good for me to be if I want to know God. And look, we look at our world, we look at our city, there's just some places where Christians shouldn't be. Should Christians be at the nightclub? Should Christians be at the bar? Should Christians be at the marijuana dispensary? I am. No. Uh, you know, should, where, should Christians, where should these Christians be? Church. Christians, now look, you can go to work? Of course. Can you go to the mall? Of course. Can you go to Target? Why not? You go to Hobby Lobby? You all do, ladies. Already. Many of you live there, all right? But I'm not saying you can't do certain things. But there are some places where we know we have no business being. I was in a situation recently where it was a situation I had to go to, I had to be in. But it was not a situation where I felt comfortable. I walked into the room. I was there to minister in a certain way, being careful how I say it. And I walked into the room, and there was alcohol all over the table. And there was loud, like, aggressive rap music, uh, very, very, just terrible lyrics, like, made me cringe the way they were talking about women, the way they were talking about what they were going to do to women, the way, all, all this kind of stuff. And, and I just walked in, and, and, you know, I was there to minister, and the music kind of went down a little bit, and, oh, I guess we're not going to offer you a drink, Pastor. I said, no, no, thank you. And I sat there, you know, and I had to be there for a little bit. I just felt so uncomfortable. And then I was going to stick around, and they said, Pastor, we think maybe you ought to just take off. And I said, why? They said, because what's going to happen is not going to be very Christian. And I said, okay. I said, I've been around the block, you know. I've been around the block. But uh, I said, but uh, I, I, I will honor that gladly. And, you know, to me, I, I was there to minister, and I'm not judging those people. You know, they were people that we loved dearly, absolutely. But I felt uncomfortable. And I think there are certain places where Christians should feel uncomfortable absolutely should feel uncomfortable. And there are some places that need to be removed from our life. Here's the king of Israel saying that there are some places that shouldn't be in this land, and we're going to remove them. Man, I love that. 
I, I, where is it in your life that you go that holds you back from revival? Think about that. Is there something, is there a place that you go to that encourages a certain type of behavior which is anti-God, which is anti-Christ? Those wrong places got to be removed. Could be a friend's house, teenagers. Could be, uh, could be a relative's apartment. Could be, you know, I, I don't know, the, the arcade at the Lakewood Mall. <laughs> I don't know where it might be for you. Could be a chat room. Could be a Facebook page. Could be a Twitter account or someone you follow online. Could be the alcohol aisle. Could be the pornographic website. Could be the places where Christians have no business of going. And those places have got to be removed. Look, I, I want to have revival in my life, and I want to live in a state of revival, but I, go, I grow cold from time to time. I lose that fire and that fervency. And what I've often found when I do that is that I have let something creep into my life that shouldn't be there. Could be a possession, something that I'm owning that maybe is starting to own me. Could be an influence and someone that's in my life that's influencing me in a certain way. Maybe, you know, it's a YouTube channel. Maybe it's something online. Could be a person, whatever it is. But there's also some places. And I just want us as Christians, as people of God, if we're looking to have that spiritual refreshing in our lives, we're going to go forward in these next couple of months saying, God, work in me. Bring revival to my life. There needs to be removal so God can fill in that area. And maybe today, let's just do a little investigate. We'll pray here. We won't have a lengthy invitation. But would you just pray with me that God would bring revival to our church, to our city, and to us personally? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we've had such a great day today. So much work and planning has gone into this day.